Well, as we come together on this first Sunday of the new year, we come together as a very, very privileged people because we're in a situation here in Emmanuel where we are experiencing growth from the hand of God. He is blessing us in so many ways. We've had stories even this morning I've been able to share on behalf of others. And we've heard the prophetic word that God is at work and he is about to do something incredible in this coming year. And as we come together, I want to challenge each and every one of us, whether we are from Emmanuel or we are not, these things are universally applicable, so you can take them away to your own community of faith. But particularly for us here in Emmanuel, I believe there are keys which will determine just how much we experience and receive from the hand of God in 2020. And I got the year right. Can't be bad. Because one important question as we look at the history of God's people is who is it limits what the people of God can achieve at any given season? And it's us. It's not God. So often we think God has this limit and that is not true. The reality is it's how we respond to what God is doing. That is what releases us into receiving from the hand of God. And as we come here, could we have the uh, 40th anniversary slide up there? And just leave it there. Because we are in our 40th year now as a community. And when we get to September, October time, we are going to hold a number of events which celebrate our 40th anniversary because the church was founded uh, September, October time, 1980 when many people here were not even born. And of course, next week when the students come back, doesn't it get more and more depressing as the students come back? And you say, and when were you born? And they go, oh dear. It wasn't so bad when they were sort of born in the 1990s, but when you find out the students were probably born in the, in, in the uh, year 2000, 2001, you think, everyone else except me is very old. <laughs> Isn't that the thought? Everyone else has grown older. But we are celebrating our 40th year. And what we want to see is what God will do between now and then as we enter into this new season with God. And of course, you will look at the story of the Israelites and they had 40 years as well. But we do not want to spend the 40 years in the same way as the Israelites did. Yes, they saw the hand of God blessing them. They saw God's provision but it took them 40 years to enter into that promised land that God had for them, and that is not our experience. We cannot say we've had 40 years in the wilderness. Thank you. John has not had 40 years in the wilderness. It's, by the look of some people here, you think, oh, I'm not but we haven't. We have known the blessings of God. We are here today in this building because of the blessings of God. And we can look back on the story of God's faithfulness and have confidence to press in to all that God has got for us in this coming year and the next 40 years. Now, I have no faith for me being around in the next 40 years. Now, be encouraged. I'm very encouraged. <laughs> but you know, God has an incredible future for us. And 
looking at the 40 years and the history of the Israelites, I'm drawn back to the story of Exodus, which is the most incredible story because it runs right through the pages of both Old and New Testament. The story of Exodus does not end at the end of the Old Testament, but the whole theme is carried on through. And at one point, Jesus even speaks of his Exodus. And there are those defining moments in the life of the church which we can describe as an Exodus moment where they have to decide, are they going to stay where they are or are they going to press in to all that God has got for them? Now, I'm not going to dwell on those New Testament examples now. (coughs) That's for a future date. But when we look at the story of Exodus, uh, there's... I came across a particular verse which really struck me. And you know when you're reading through Scripture, God suddenly speaks to you. It's almost as if a verse jumps out which has never jumped out before. You just read over it. And you think, what is God saying to me in this? And it's from Exodus 12, verse 42. Now, those holy ones among you will have a paper Bible. And I say you're in the minority. Those who are not so holy will have it on your telephone. And those of you who are doomed and will not have it at all. Good theology this morning. Good theology. But when we look at this one verse from Exodus 12, 42, it's taking place, you know, God had worked powerfully on behalf of his people. He had brought the Egyptians and Pharaoh into a place where they were ready to release the Israelites because of all the judgments that came upon the land of Egypt. And eventually, Pharaoh gets to the point saying, just go. Just, just go. Will you leave, leave us alone. Just go. And the great thing is, as they do go, they do not go empty-handed, but they go with the treasures of Egypt. Oh, I'm in faith for that. That as we go into this year, we have the treasures of Egypt being given to us, and we are able to spend it for the glory of God. And so they've got the ten plagues, the children of Israel are about to pass through the Red Sea. And in Exodus 12, 42, it says, Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Now, the ESV, uh, English Standard Version, says, It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of Egypt. And this whole idea that God is watching over his people to bring them into the fullness of his promises really captured my attention. This simple verse, it was a night of watching by the Lord. And so the Israelites, they're called to respond by launching that prayer vigil themselves. But the important thing, what really captured me, is that the Lord Emmanuel, God with us, is watching over us in order to bring us into the land of promises that he has for us. And as we approach this coming new year, as we look at the 12 months ahead of us, as we look at all the uncertainty that there is in the... In the let's just stick with the nation. The uncertainty of certain political events that have taken place when there is an event to take place at the end of this month and no one knows what it will release among us. The reality is God is watching over his people to bring us into that which he has promised, not what politicians have promised. 
I'm so pleased we are not reliant upon what, prom- uh, what politicians have promised. I've just got into this new thing of, I've just discovered YouTube. Yep. Yep. Glory. Just discovered YouTube. And in the absence of anything decent on the television, of course, not only have I discovered it, but I have it on my new iPhone 8 Plus. Plus, yeah, yeah. Now, what the plus means is there's more things on there I haven't got a clue what they are than I had before. But I've been going into this, and what I've done is I've been going over some of the interviews that took place in the run-up to the election with politicians of all parties, and it is amazing the promises that were made that would never, ever be fulfilled. And they were so ridiculous, and the people were being challenged. Well, how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to do this? And the politicians who had made the promise couldn't answer. I mean, this is the crazy world in which we are in, that you can make a promise and let's have no thought at all about how we are going to fulfill it. When God makes a promise to his people, he has all the resources he needs in order to bring us into that place of seeing the promise fulfilled. And so it says God was watching over the people to bring them out of one situation into a new situation, which was to be that place of blessing and incredible place of God's provision. And so let's be confident that as we go through this year, God is with us and God is watching over us and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God in Christ Jesus. That needs to be our place of confidence, not what is going on around us, in the wacky world in which we live. And so the people have God watching over them. But we all know how the story unfolds with the 40 years in the wilderness. And that 40 years is a journey, represents a journey that I think could have taken place in two or or three weeks. Geographers might be able to correct me. Who thinks it was two or three weeks? Amen, right, that's enough, right? You know, what could have taken a very short time took them 40 years because the people of God did not respond properly to what God wanted them to do. It's simple. It was the people of God who limited what they were able to receive from God. Now, when we look at the story, it's still a story of God's provision. His grace was still at work. He still provided for them manna. He still provided for them meat. He still provided for them water. But they had to spend 40 years and a generation died in unbelief and only two people from that generation entered into the promised land. And because it was the people of God placed that ceiling upon what God was able to do among them. And we do not want to be in that position where we look back and say, oh, if only we'd done this, if only we'd done that. As the people of God, as this community of faith, we want to be those who say, right, I want to grasp the promises of God, and enter into all that he has got for me. Now, we will make mistakes. Put your hand up if you're perfect. Good. We will make mistakes. We will get it wrong. But I believe the way to handle mistakes is to come before God and say, God, I fluffed it. Have you ever prayed that? It's the anointing. Oh, 
We do not want to be in that position. We want to be in that position where we press into what God... And I want to look at four things, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time, because all of these things are very well known to us. I want to refresh our memories, and for some here, there needs to be a response of heart to each of these things, because you've heard them before. But the first thing that will release us increasingly into what God has got for us is held as a part of this verse that I read from verse 42, where it says that the people were called to a night of vigil. Just as God was watching over the people, God is calling the people to a night of vigil, a night of prayer, as they gave themselves to him and looked to him to come and fulfill his word among them. You see, when we're called to prayer, what we're saying is, help. That's what we're saying. A huge part of our prayer is that prayer of expressing our utter dependence upon God. We are here today because God has worked miracles on our behalf, and we will be here tomorrow because of future miracles God will work among us. But prayer expresses our need of Him because we recognize in our own strength we will achieve nothing. It has to be the power of the Spirit at work among us to bring about the fulfillment of promises. And we need to be those people whose focus is upon God. Just as God watched over the people, so the people were called to look up to God. It's that divine partnership. And we all know there are many, many verses in Scripture which uh, encourage us to pray. And in this new year, we need to have that increased uh, commitment to corporate prayer. And so as the year unfolds, we're going to uh, publicize a number of gatherings where we're going to get together for prayer. Could I just encourage you to come and to give? Yesterday morning was an incredible morning as we gathered here together for the first Saturday of the year. Now, there were those among us who didn't expect many people. And, yeah, you know, the first Saturday of the year... We didn't expect that many people. And the reality is, we actually had a record turnout yesterday morning. And what a dynamic time it was as people were able just to express themselves in prayer as we came together as the people of God, seeking God for breakthrough that the promises He has made would be fulfilled as we act in obedience to what God has said. We are the ones who place a limit on what God can do but as we surrender ourselves to him, so he is able to come and do incredible things among us. So prayer is the first thing that we need to, in a sense, reestablish and build upon what we've got within this community. Now the second thing, and at this point you may all groan, but giving is an area where we have excelled as a church and we need to continue to excel if we are to see God to release the resources that we need in order to see the vision fulfilled. A few weeks ago, Richard gave a very, very powerful, preached a very powerful sermon challenging us to give generously. But the important thing there was the walk of faith that Richard and Barbara and the family have experienced because they were giving even when it was extremely painful to give. Listen to it. It's on our uh, website. Have a look. Listen to the podcast. So I'm not going to repeat anything that Richard said, 
But the reality is so often we pray for God to bless our finances before we first honor him. We get it the wrong way around. It's almost like, God, give me all of this, then I will honor you. The scriptural principle is not that. The scriptural principle is that we honor God first and then he pours out his blessings. Look at the last few chapters of uh, Malachi. Uh, it teaches about tithing or offering. And we all say, oh, you know, it's all in the Old Testament. Whenever someone uses the argument about what's in the Old Testament, and you know, they always use it to give less. There's something within our human spirit that says, well, we don't do that. And they never say, well, we don't believe it. I have never in 30 years of ministry had anyone come along and say, I totally disagree with the Old Testament teaching on tithing because it's too little. Never. We con ourselves. We think, oh, well, that's what it says. You know, give 10%. I'll do God a favor. Because that thinking is, what we're doing there is we're giving God what what rightfully belongs to us. And we're doing him a favor by giving it back. Where's that that come from in Scripture? Scripture is that everything we have belongs to him. And in our giving generously, we are returning what rightfully belongs to him. And it is an expression of our heart. That's why even the widow's might is so important in the sight of God. Because it's given with a generous heart. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul, it says to the people, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Some years ago, at one of the Mark DuPont conferences, we had a couple, not of this church, but a couple came along who were in dire financial need in really bad circumstances, and they came forward for prayer. And it was someone who, again, is not part of us, but prayed for them, And you know, when you're in that situation and you go forward for prayer, what is it you really want to hear? Well, you probably want to hear, don't worry, God understands, keep your money, and God's... Well, what they were told, (laughs) in the ministry time, they were told to give their way out of this situation. Now, when you come forward for ministry, folks, that's not necessarily what you want to hear, is it? I'm in dire financial need. Then honor God. But the testimony that came out of that was incredible because that couple had breakthrough because they saw God be faithful to his word and he came and transformed their situation And so as a community, I believe one of the things that as we press into all that God has got for us, we need to be those who will honor God first in every way and see him come and do amazing things. We cannot pray for God to do those things we can do ourselves. What's the point? We pray for God to make up the difference. We do all that we can and then we see God come and make up the difference. The children of Israel standing there before the Red Sea were incapable of parting the Red Sea. But as Moses stood there with the people behind him and they were acting in faith, obedient to his word, so the waters parted 
and the people crossed. And I love the fact they crossed on dry ground. Isn't that great? I mean, not only did the waters part, but God dried the ground. That's how much he cares for us. That's how much he watches over us. But we have to be in that place of obedience to him. So prayer, generosity. But the third thing, which I believe is a really, really important key as we press into the future, is being the body of Christ to one another. Now, we've been challenged by Keith to reach out to friends and neighbors in order to introduce them to Jesus. And that's, that's fantastic. That is the call of the gospel. But there is also a call that within the body of Christ, we are Christ to one another. Because what is the point of bringing people into the body of Christ when they find all the backbiting and nonsense that goes on in the world? What we're saying is we're different because Jesus has done a work in our hearts. We're different because Jesus has changed my language. We're different because now instead of FaceTiming or Facebooking or tweeting or whatever else you do, I'm going to do it to bless someone and not to establish how wonderful I am in my marvelous argument. Why is it Christians think they can say anything they like on social media? And that's okay. I I do not get it. I simply do not get it. The stuff is out there. We need to be those who are expressing something different to those who hold a different view to us. So, you know, we've, we've gone through all sorts of nonsense over this last three years. And whether you are a Brexiteer or a Ramona, <coughs> Remona, sorry, got the, got the word wrong there, got the word wrong. I didn't really. But whether you, it doesn't matter. You imagine, now I, I don't engage in social media, I'm so thankful for that. But every now and again, I hear of what Christians are saying to one another. Where is Jesus glorified? Where is the body of Christ built up? When we set out to establish some sort of argument by pulling down others, can you imagine that if someone of a differing viewpoint to you, you said, bless you, brother and sister, I am going to pray for you. I want to express the love of Christ to you. That is how we build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 speaks of the need for unity in the church. Uh, Paul writing to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, as a prisoner of the Lord then. So here he is, locked up. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Well, well, how many tweets would that take out? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Now, I'm going to miss that one out. Bearing with one another. (laughs) Be patient. You see, I think Paul has this incredible insight into the human condition. He said, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. No political party practices that. None. People of God should. We should. Bearing one another. Bearing with one another in love. Now, is that easy? No. 
The challenge is, as soon as we say, now I am going to, I am going to bear with my brother and sister, I am going to show them love, God will challenge that straight away. Probably before you get to the door. Do you ever come to church and you're in a good mood and somebody winds you up and you leave in a bad mood? Do you ever come to church expecting to have a good sermon? And, well, we won't go there. Right? <laughs> Verse... Speaking the truth in love is very different from loving to speak the truth. It's for me. (laughs) Speaking the truth in love is very different to loving to speak the truth. One can be so easily based on law that I am right. The other needs to be is based on grace. So we all have a part to play. Again, Paul writing to the Ephesians says, The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And the reality is every one of us is in each part. It's not, well, somebody out there. It's not someone with a responsibility, someone with a label. The reality is when Jesus is looking at the church, he's not looking at labels. He's not looking at responsibilities. He's looking at his sons and daughters, bought by his blood. And he said, you are in each part. Every person here has a part to play in building up the body of Christ. And every word we can say can either build up or pull down. It's very simple, really. We tend to make it difficult, but it isn't. And how about if we covenanted before God that we would only share those things that build up the body, for in doing so, each part of the body, each part, each one of us, builds up the body. And we begin, even, even now, we can begin here on a Sunday morning by connecting with people we do not normally connect with. Because it cannot be a job of two or three stewards on the front door to connect with all who come. It cannot be the job of four elders to connect with everyone who comes. But as each one of us takes upon ourselves that responsibility, I am going to speak to someone I've never spoken to before. Each part of the body is doing its work and we're being built up. It is tragic when a visitor comes here, comes into the meeting, can leave the meeting and no one speaks to them. What is the, what's the point? What is the point? I often think to myself, what is the point? So, but we can, every one of us, make a difference. And you see, as every one of us takes up that challenge, that we are going to be with those who connect with others. We are going to be the ones who look for the isolated within our community. I am going to be the one that is the body of Christ to them, the word of Christ to them, the hands of Christ to them. What we'll find is God will give us the most amazing increase. It'll blow our minds. That's how a church can become bigger but still remain family. And some people have an issue with churches growing bigger. I do wonder whether it's a British thing. You know, we tend to think the smaller the church, the better it is. That when it gets above six, oh, well. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been in many churches of six. I have preached to a congregation of one. That's absolutely true. In my former life, preached to a congregation of one. And I was, I was willing 
for that person to respond to the appeal because I could have left that place saying 100% of the people present responded to the appeal. Glory to God. But the reality was 100% didn't. In fact, I think they were asleep, but that's another matter altogether. So my challenge to every one of us this morning, you are in every part. Each one of us is in every part. And as each part does its work, we will see God do amazing, amazing things. Oh, well, I was excited, but never mind. Point four, I'm going to leave for another week. Because I think there is enough there for us to work on. Let's have the musicians back. and then in a, where's the, Get the musicians in. <laughs> Let's stand. Prayer, a new priority. Giving, according to Scripture. Bring your life into line with what Scripture teaches. And if you have any doubts, you know, God says, read Malachi. It says, test me in this. You know, it's one of the few cases in Scripture where God says, test me. See if it works. We had a, a testimony came in after Richard preached. Richard doesn't even know this. I didn't want to tell Richard because I thought he may be after commission. But we had a testimony that came in after Richard preached. Someone who was challenged about tithing on gross rather than net. And it was a very short uh, testimony, but basically the essence was, I'm going to do this in obedience, I'm going to trust God. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Prayer, giving, and brothers and sisters, being the body of Christ to one another and to all who come among us. As we do these things, I believe the bar will be lifted. I believe we will see God do amazing things among us. And we will not be the same community in 12 months' time. So we're going to just join together in worship. And then John has a word that, well, I'll let John share that. And then we're going to be praying for people. But we have some time. It's only, it's only 10 to 12. Only 10 to 12. So we've got at least an hour.